ESPN Daily is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA 23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. Tim Kewen, you recently did something that a lot of people in this country just don't do anymore. You went to an Oakland A's game at their home stadium. It's now called Ring Central Coliseum. And for so many reasons, Tim, it was not your typical MLB game. Can you describe the surreal scene you experienced? Uh, I can, Israel, and it starts with rain. It was raining, as all good, uh, you know, tragic stories tend to begin with bad weather. There's some of those dark clouds, and they are really dark. Wow. What's going on over there? Something dark and ominous. There were maybe a thousand people in the stands. The A's were playing the Seattle Mariners on a Tuesday night. It came about three weeks after the A's had announced that they had purchased land in Las Vegas to move the team. So a chilly, chilly night at the ballpark. You know, the A's are the worst team in baseball. They play in this concrete mausoleum. There are signs everywhere rooted in Oakland, which at the time of of this game, they felt like kind of a cruel taunt to the 800 or so people who did decide to go. Going to the count. It's, It's sad. You've got leaf blowers blowing water down concourses and security guards telling people to stand back because they're going to get dirty water blown on them. You've got people working in the concession stand trying to figure out where they can move their hot dog cart so that the water doesn't pour down on them. And once the game starts, it is perhaps the quietest. I mean, I've been to Little League games that were louder. This was just the quietest stadium you could imagine. You have 800 people in this cavernous stadium and nobody making noise and the game is is going on and, and nobody seems to care. It was depressing in a lot of ways. And Israel, I think one thing that I was struck with was sort of the inevitability of this that permeated this stadium. They've been here before. They thought they were going to lose the team before. They thought they were going to get a better stadium before. All these different swings of emotions that these A's fans have gone through. This one, more than any other, it felt final. The history of professional sports in America goes back nearly 150 years. And in that time, few, if any, teams have used the threat of relocation quite like baseball's athletics. The club, which started in 1901 as the Philadelphia Athletics, moves to Kansas City in 1955 before landing in its present home of Oakland in 1968. But that's just the start of it. As Slate writer Stefan Fatsis recently documented, in the team's entire history, it has planned to move or threatened to move an additional 19 times. And now, 
with the team exploring a move to Las Vegas, Tim Kewen joins the show to document the latest iteration of the A's constant search for greener pastures and to explore what's to become of the Oakland sports fan. I'm Israel Gutierrez. It's Wednesday, May 24th. This is ESPN Daily. Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Tim Kewen, now I'm afraid I might age myself here by assuming you are a fan of the 1989 sports comedy Major League, but you are, aren't you? Oh, of course I am. For anybody who's too young and maybe hasn't seen it yet, first of all, go watch it. Uh, But for the purposes of this podcast, just know that the premise of the movie is that the owner of the then Cleveland Indians decides to intentionally field the team so bad that she can move the team to a new city. It seems that Mrs. Phelps doesn't think too highly of our worth. She put this team together because she thought we'd be bad enough to finish dead last, knocking attendance down to the point where she could move the team to Miami and get rid of all of us for better personnel. So, Tim, I couldn't help but think about Major League when I read your latest piece about the 2023 A's. It's a franchise that has the lowest payroll in MLB, the worst record in baseball, the worst attendance in baseball, and it all feels almost by design. Does that sound about right to you? It does, Israel. I think what we're looking at is kind of major league without the humor and the charm. Hmm. We're looking at this team that that has been gutted on the field. Four years ago in 2019, this team won 97 games and was Filled with young talent. Yeah. Matt Chapman, Matt Olson. Absolutely. Chapman's got it. Shows off the arm and did Olson stay in the bag? He did. Nice play by Matt Olson. It helps to be six foot five. They had a young catcher coming up in Sean Murphy. Driven the left toward the Crawford boxes and that baby's gone. Murphy homers for the third time in two days. And this game is tied. And the owner, John Fisher, who is the heir to the Gap fortune, he just has gutted this team. All those players are gone, being replaced by guys who are incredibly cheap and definitely not ready for prime time. This was manufactured to create a team that would not be appealing to stay. And what they've done is they have done nothing to improve the stadium. Hmm. They have torn the team down. 
They have raised ticket prices, so they have made it completely unattractive to go to a game so that they can use the lack of attendance and the lack of interest and the lack of a new stadium against the fans of the team and the city of Oakland to strike a deal in Las Vegas. So it feels, especially now, very calculated. And part of this is because ownership, presumably, wants out of town, right? And so they've had these opportunities for these land deals, right? If you don't mind explaining that for us, what do these deals look like for John Fisher and for the team? Well, the land deals in Vegas, and I have to say deals because he entered into one and a couple days later got out of it and got into another one. So his first deal was with Red Rock Casinos. It was going to be off the strip, kind of near where the Raiders stadium is. And he was going to have to purchase that land. Well, in the meantime, the Tropicana group came in and they offered him free land. So, of course, Hmm. he bailed on the first deal and went to the second deal. It also reduces the public funding that he's requesting uh, by about $100 million. Still, Las Vegas has to approve about $400 million in public funding to get this team that they neither asked for or to this point have really indicated that they want. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, that's what these land deals look like. And the A's have gone through several iterations of locations in, in Oakland as well. The most recent is called the Howard Terminal Project, which is this fantastical $12 billion real estate deal that would, oh, by the way, include a ballpark. It's like throwing out your your biggest wish list, and then when it doesn't all come true, you decide that, well, that's not the place for you because you can't get a $12 billion real estate deal to build your billion-dollar ballpark. And all these things have added up to the idea that that he never was serious about staying in Oakland unless he could get this insane $12 billion real estate deal. So Tim, play this out for me in both ways. First, what are their options, including that one, to stay in Oakland? But what does it look like if the team is actually going to move to Las Vegas and when would that be? Oh, Israel, the the one location that the Oakland A's refuse to discuss is the one that is most obvious and the one that is possible. And that is the Oakland Coliseum site as it now stands. They consider that a non-starter. And to be blunt, a lot of it is because the Oakland Coliseum is not in an area where a $12 billion real estate makes sense. The Oakland Coliseum is not in an area where you could see a gap store going in anytime soon. But what the Oakland Coliseum site does have is freeway access. It has multiple public transportation stations. It is a perfect venue for a good stadium. It's right now has a terrible stadium. Uh, but team president Dave Cavill, he has continually said it's the that site is has too much parking, which is a novel concept, especially in California. Too much parking. It's a 1960s idea of what a stadium should be. It's not the modern idea of what a stadium should be like Camden Yards or Oracle Park across the, the water in San Francisco. So that could have been done. The A's actually own a piece of that site. However, 
what is most interesting in a lot of ways is that if everything goes the A's way, they get this deal in, in Las Vegas approved, they get the public money, there's not going to be a stadium for them to play in there until 2027. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm sitting there in the right field bleachers with the fans in Oakland, and I'm thinking, you know, several more years of this before, like, what would that, what's that going to look like in 2026 in September when they're 48 games out of first place and they're leaving? This could get worse before it gets better. So given that this team isn't moving out of the Coliseum anytime soon, paint us a picture of what the next few years might look like based on your experience. Well, I will, I will go directly to the right field bleachers where the most passionate Oakland A's fans tend to, to congregate. There were 10 of them in three different sections on this particular night against the Seattle Mariners. One of them is a very effervescent young man named Jorge Leon, hmm. who happens to be the president of the Oakland 68s, 68 being the year the A's moved to Oakland. And he is part of this fan group that is trying to model it again, uh, around like the European soccer club fan groups that have a say with ownership. Yeah, It's an interesting concept and they're everything Oakland. They just love Oakland. He's a lifelong resident of Oakland. Uh, his son's middle name is Oakland. He's the guy out there. He's yelling. He's yelling anti-ownership chants. John Fisher's the richest front boy I've ever seen. He's getting the, the few people out there to get behind him. So Jorge Leon is out there. He's yelling and, and he kind of senses that he's being a little too negative. And so he says, but we back the players. And Israel, I'm telling you, you can't really understand how quiet it is unless you're out there. He starts going around the infield and he gets to Tony Kemp at second base and says, Tony Kemp's a great human being. <laughs> And Tony Kemp, at second base, maybe 200 feet out and 50 feet below Jorge Leon, turns and tips his cap. That's how quiet it is. One man can have a conversation with players on the infield during play. I mean, they heard every word he said. Uh, the pitcher that night, a rookie named Mason Miller, told me the next day, he had to turn his pitch comb down in his ear, down to the lowest level, because he was afraid that the speaker was audible by the Mariners hitters at home play. I mean, that is how quiet it was. He thought the crowd, which is, I'm using that term loosely, could possibly hear the communication that was buried in his ear? He thought the hitters could hear it. He thought that the robot sound saying fastball down was going to be audible to Jared Kelnick and whoever else for the Seattle Mariners. The backdrop is they have all these bedsheet signs hanging over the right field wall that say hashtag Fisher out, hmm. sell the team, Cavill equals liar. The gap is written out with a, with a line crossed through it. They're trying to organize boycotts of all the gap stores and Banana Republic and Old Navy. And one of those sheets gained some fame because it was erased from a highlight, was it not? It was. The first night that they came back to Oakland after this Las Vegas deal was announced, uh, first baseman Ryan Noda hit a home run into the right field bleachers. Bomb to right. That crashed down in the second section beyond the out-of-town scoreboard. 
And on the MLB app, all these signs that were clearly obvious on television were airbrushed out and somebody noticed and it ended up having to be put back in. But yeah, it's a sign of what these people are up against, right? I mean, that's sort of a metaphor for this is that the, their message is even being airbrushed out by, by what they consider the powers that be. Well, the Oakland Coliseum isn't just a comedy show. It's also a bit of a horror show <laughs> and sometimes a bit of a nature show. Uh, there was a possum living in the visitor's broadcast booth recently that the Mets announcers discussed. Our tech people walk in the booth and immediately were met by the stench what? of the possum having you know, done his business in the booth. No, I didn't know that. The booth reeked so badly of possum leavings that um, an executive decision was made to move us to this booth, which is somewhat smaller and has, you know, a few impediments. Yeah, Israel, it it is uh, the, the nature show and the horror show. It was about 10 years ago that a toilet backed up in the A's dugout and the raw sewage started flowing through the through the dugout. A major sewage leak at the Coliseum sends players running for cover during a recent home game. That got a lot of attention. Sewage leak flooding both clubhouses and locker rooms, sending players from both teams retreating to the safety of the Raiders locker room up on the next level. The field is wonderful, by the way. The groundskeepers do a great job. But we've got this raw sewage about 10 years ago. There is a a band of of stray, feral cats that live in the Coliseum. The Coliseum has been overrun by feral cats who apparently saw the pandemic years as an opportunity to grow their ranks, so to speak. And as you say, what are they doing to fix this? I mean... A possum is not that hard to catch, right? Right. You can trap them. That is a fixable problem that doesn't work as as a fixed problem. It only works as a national problem for the Oakland A's. It only works when the broadcasts are talking about it and everybody says, oh my gosh, what about that? that place? Who could possibly play there? Well, they don't want to fix a lot of these problems because they're getting more mileage out of the actual problem, right? I mean, that's how this works. It's the major league strategy. It's, oh no, we have a possum problem. We have a sewage problem. What can we do? We're going to have to move. Exactly. And if you've seen it long enough, you kind of are able to detect the patterns, right? And I think that you can you can predict, you know, like Ace fans are like defensive backs, right? It's their job to predict where somebody's going to go, like right. where John Fisher's going next or where Dave Cavill's going next. And they are, to extend the metaphor, perhaps poorly, they're backpedaling too. They don't have the advantage. And that is that is where they are. It's very hard to get that message out when there's a possum living in the in the visitor's television booth. Up next, what hope, if any, is left for A's fans? Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you people wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first one or for your fashionista mom who likes to make a statement... 
Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate with them both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to, say, 100 bucks and below. You can also sort by category, like fragrance, handbags, and more. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything. Or even pre-wrapped gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So, what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th, and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. So, Tim, it appears that this is not a great experience for the fans, but it can't possibly be a much better experience for the players on the field. Can you give me a sense of what their season has been like this year? Yeah, Israel, it's it's interesting because... You've worked for this, right? You've worked to be a major league player, yeah. be among the best athletes in the world. And then when you reach that pinnacle, this is it. This is what you get. You get this, this downtrodden team. You get disgruntled fans. You get an ownership group that that is traded away every chance to be competitive. And it's got to be disheartening. And they're not going to say this out loud, but... The best they can hope for on this team that is on pace to lose well over 120 games right now. Wow. The best they can hope for is to be good enough to be gone. To just have, there's a guy, Brent Rooker, who has had a very undistinguished career to this point, who has just torn it up so far this season. Well, he's probably going to get traded. I mean, that's got to be his motivation in some respect is if I'm good this good at the trade deadline, they can't help but trade me because they are looking ahead to see, well, Brent Rooker might demand more money down the line. It's such a dead-end feeling out there among both the players, the manager, Mark Kotze, who will, I swear, he will go. You've been in a lot of these press conferences, Israel. Mm -hmm. I've never seen a guy go out of his way to not talk about what happens on the field the way this guy does. Yeah. He talks about washing his truck. He talks about, about anything besides <laughs> what he just witnessed on the field. And I can't blame him. I mean, it, it feels just inevitable, right? Yeah. They put this team together to lose. It's the major league theory, and it's it's definitely at work out there. Tim, the sewage literally trickles down to every level of the organization. Um, I did want to ask you what the players you talked about, uh, what they actually said about this situation, what they said on the record, because they couldn't say, hey, I want to be good enough to get traded. The most common refrain was, this is still the big leagues. Tony Kemp, who is a, he's kind of the sage in that clubhouse, one of the few veteran players who's had success other places. And, and I think they keep Tony around because as Jorge Leon said, he's an amazing human being. He is the guy that tries to, to, to keep these guys focused on the fact that 
This is the big leagues. You're going to be playing in Yankee Stadium next week or in a couple months. They, you do go on the road and play half your games in places where the atmosphere is far different than the Oakland Coliseum. There's a lot of talk about that. The younger guys talk about having the focus and playing every day and, and taking care of their families. And it gets very sort of granular when you talk to these guys because they don't want to look at this broad, big picture because right. it's so bleak. So, Tim, it all seems pretty bleak as we've discussed, but wanted to see if there was any reason for hope. Is there anything else these fans of Oakland can do to try to stop the move? Well, you know, they have hope, and, and the hope is sort of based on all these things we've talked about, all these false starts that the A's have had throughout their history. They were going to move to San Jose. They were going to move to Fremont. Way back in Charlie Finley days, they were going to move to Denver. I mean, there have been so many of these storms that have passed over this franchise and th this fan base that they do have hope. And some of it is a little bit magical thinking maybe, but, you know, Joe Lacob, who owns the Warriors, has expressed an interest in buying the A's in the past. There's this thought that Joe Lacob could come back and say, yes, I took the Warriors out of Oakland, but look at me, I'm back to save the A's. And he would be, <laughs> as Jorge Leon told me, he would be a legend if he did that. The problem is, the team's not for sale. Right. You can't buy something that's not for sale. And the fact that Major League Baseball is fully backing this move to Las Vegas puts another layer of difficulty in this, right? Because their pride's on the line as well. Rob Manfred's pride is on the line. He really wants to get them to Las Vegas. So there, there is hope that somebody's going to step in. There's been a lot of talk about local groups that would buy the team if it became available and they have had much more realistic ideas about where the team should play. Nobody thinks they should stay at the Coliseum. Nobody thinks that's a long-term solution. Right. However, these other groups do see that site as being viable. And so these fans are pinning their hopes on that. And it's just hard for them in this sense. They're such underdogs to, to go against this machine that is Major League Baseball and this team ownership that that I can see where they would get a little discouraged, but there are little glimmers out there that the idea that Las Vegas may not be willing to part with all that public money is another, another factor they point to. But at this point, they are in the hope stage. <laughs> yeah. And they're hoping they can advance from, from hope to actual tangible targets that they can hope for. Well, as we wrap up here, Tim, it seems like John Fisher, the owner of the A's, is holding this team hostage, if you will. What does it say, if anything, about the state of sports and baseball as a business? You know, Israel, that's, that's such a good question because I've thought about that a lot in being out there. And in this particular instance, the teams have become purely part of a portfolio. They are a means to an end and not the end itself. So the guy that was the owner 30, 40, 50 years ago who made his money, invested it in a team, and became, that became his whole thing, that doesn't really exist very much anymore, especially with this new breed of owner, hmm. as is the case with the A's. That is just part of his portfolio, and everything has become a real estate deal. It has become how you can parlay that into something bigger. 
how you can parlay it into a, a mall around a stadium in a, on a waterfront with housing uh, units everywhere that, by the way, the Oakland A's are not willing to abide by the state rules about affordable housing in that waterfront village that they want. It's how you can take a team and make it fit your purposes in a broader sense. It's always been corporate, right? But this is this has elevated it to another level of using it as a chip to get public money to build something else that you feel is going to be more profitable than just this baseball team or this football team or this basketball team. Well, as much as we want it to happen, unlike in the film Major League, it looks like the happy ending might be out of grasp. Tim Kewen, thank you for all the info. Thanks, Israel. I'm Israel Gutierrez. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.